Witness Docs from Stitcher. Previously on All American. Have we ever seen anything quite like her? She's a phenomenon, an icon, a legend. Ladies and gentlemen, Serena Williams. When I first learned that I would be sports person, yes, sports person of the year, I could not believe it. Serena winning her second Serena Slam 12 years after her first put her in the conversation of the greatest of all time. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by AARP. 16 years from today, Greg Gerstner will finally land the perfect cannonball. Epic Splash. Unsuspecting Friends. A work of art only possible because Greg is already meeting all these same people at AARP volunteer and community events that keep him active and involved and help make sure his happiness lives as long as he does. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org local. In 2018, Serena guested on Jimmy Fallon. She was there to promote a documentary she made with HBO called Being Serena. It followed her through the birth of her daughter. But now, she's the reason why this all means even more than it did before. Uh, Oh no, I love it so much. The series catalogs her journey back to tennis. Viewers get to see intimate footage from her training from her wedding to Reddit co-founder Alexis Ohanian, and from her complicated birthing experience, where she almost died. But after 14 months away from tennis, the longest hiatus of her career, Serena was determined to return and prove that she was still the best. Yeah, I'm going to play the French. I'll be at Wimbledon as well. You, uh, well absolutely. Uh, Mommy, there. yes, Mommy, we will see you. Over, you yeah. see me there. Yeah, there's no uh, quitting. There's no, no There's no slowing down. There's no slowing down. You just I'm, want I'm, more. I want more. I'm having fun, and it's going to be great. I'm Cecil Harris, and this is All American, Venus and Serena. Episode 9, Passing the Torch. A lot was at stake for Serena when she returned to tennis in 2018. She was 36 years old. She had 23 Grand Slam titles. The last time she had won a major title was the year before at the Australian Open. And when she left for maternity leave, she was the number one player in the world. Unfortunately, at this time, women's tennis did not protect a player's ranking if she took time off to have a baby. So Serena would have to work her way back up. She came back from her leave ranked outside the top 400, but hungry to get back to number one and to win her 24th title, which would tie the all-time record. Serena's first major tournament back in 2018 was the French Open. She made it to the fourth round. And then, a month later at Wimbledon, 
she did even better. She played her way to the final. She lost that championship match, but she won the admiration of the Wimbledon crowd. Serena, it's only your fourth tournament back and you knew you didn't know what to expect, but you've had such a great tournament. You've played so well. Yeah, it was such an amazing um, tournament for me. Um, I was really happy to get this far. This is Serena, just moments after taking the runner-up prize at Wimbledon. Serena was emotional, but she was really clear-eyed about the progress she was making. She said she couldn't be disappointed because she was just getting started in her comeback. You've hardly played any matches, absolutely. And I tell you, there are mums everywhere that are saying, how has she done this? You are superhuman, supermum. No, I'm just, I'm just me, and that's all I can be. But to all the moms out there, you know, I was playing free today. Less than a year after having a baby, she was still at the top of her game. The 2018 U.S. Open was just around the corner, and it would be Serena's last chance to win a major title that year. The anticipation was palpable, and I was there to cover it. I hopped on a call with my producer, Albert, to talk about how the tournament unfolded. So walk us through the 2018 U.S. Open. What was it like? Who were you writing for? I covered the U.S. Open for the New York Daily News. All of my byline stories have by Cecil Harris special to the news, which tells people in the business that I don't work for them full time. I'm covering this assignment for them. So I got my press credential and was excited about you know, covering the U.S. Open again. It had been a, quite a while. And Serena, she was the big story entering the tournament. She was going for her 24th title, but she wasn't necessarily favored to win. But then she started playing really well. What about her game from a tennis standpoint was suggesting we were seeing a dominant Serena again? Her all-around game. She has the best serve in women's tennis history, the best return of serve I've ever seen in women's tennis, and her court coverage was outstanding. She was going from side to side, backward and forward, hitting winners from all over the court and punctuating it with come on and roars and fist pumps and screams. And her fans feed off that, and they yell back. And the, the soundtrack of Serena's matches were much louder than the other matches because Serena was so into it, and her fans were into it. Again, second match, Serena Williams, 6-1-6-2. That's Serena winning her third-round match against Venus. She made moving through the U.S. Open look almost effortless. Eventually, Serena took the court for the semifinals. Again, seven match, Williams. Two sets to low, six threes, six one. Serena blistered one of her signature forehands to finish off the semifinal match. She was headed to the final. Grand Slam title number 24 and that hallowed record were now within reach. But Serena had one more opponent to face, an up-and-comer. 13 break points faced, 13 saved. How did you do that? Um, this is going to sound really bad, 
but I was just thinking, I really want to play Serena. <laughs> That's Naomi Osaka on court after winning her semifinal match. Naomi was 20 years old, 16 years younger than Serena. Naomi was born in Japan, but mostly raised in America. But on the tennis court, she plays for Japan. And at this time, she was far from a household name. Later that evening, after advancing to the final, Naomi met with us reporters in a U.S. Open press conference. She explained what the moment meant to her. Um, well, I mean, of course, it feels a little bit, like, surreal. Um, I always, like, even when I was a little kid, I, I always dreamed that I would play Serena in a final of a Grand Slam. So, um, just the fact that it's happening is, um... I'm very happy about it, but at the same time, I feel like even though I should enjoy this moment, I, I should still think of it as another match. And um, yeah, I, I shouldn't really think of her as like my idol. I should just like try to play her as an opponent. Okay, so most people hadn't heard of Naomi before, but you'd spoken with her. Who is Naomi Osaka at this time? Naomi was what we have come to see her as. Introspective, intelligent, very soft-spoken, very shy. She was a rising star. That's one of the reasons I spoke to her at the Australian Open, because I liked her backstory. Haitian father, Japanese mother, Grew up on Long Island, about an hour from the Billie Jean King Tennis Center in New York City. Then relocated to Boca Raton, Florida. And Naomi told me that as a third grader, she got a class assignment. Write about the person you admire most. Naomi wrote her paper about Serena. (laughs) And in it, she says she wrote that I want to beat Serena in the U.S. Open final. Can you imagine that? She's in the third grade. (laughs) Wow, that's amazing. And so what was she like as a player? Naomi was a player that Serena correctly identified as very dangerous. Naomi is a, a power player like Serena. Big serve, big forehand, big ground strokes from the baseline. Serena volleys better, but... Naomi, when she's on, hits the ball so hard, you really can't get her off the baseline. You're completely on the defensive, and that's what opponents have to deal with against Serena. You're just trying to handle the power and survive the point. You really can't move Serena around. But Naomi had one tournament title going into that U.S. Open, Indian Wells. And Cecil, you were in that U.S. Open press conference with Naomi, and you got the chance to ask her a question. Naomi, how much did the experience at Indian Wells beating top players and winning a championship, holding up a trophy, how much will that help you Saturday? Um, I'm not really sure. I think atmosphere-wise, I think tonight would help me more because I played against an American and the crowd wasn't really for me, but I sort of like that atmosphere. So um, I think instead of Indian Wells, just my matches here will help me. So um, after 
the match Saturday, will you have remarks prepared? What do you mean? Well, after Indian Wells, it seemed to catch you by surprise in your acceptance oh, speech. Oh, that terrible speech. Widely <laughs> <few>. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to practice, I guess. Jeez. <laughs> I was happy my question could provide some levity. Naomi was still learning to navigate the spotlight and could laugh at the occasional awkwardness that came with it. I knew that Naomi absolutely had the skills to play in the U.S. Open final, but to win especially against Serena Williams, the crowd favorite? That was a tall order. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by AARP. 16 years from today, Greg Gerstner will finally land the perfect cannonball. Epic Splash, Unsuspecting Friends, a work of art only possible because Greg is already meeting all these same people at AARP volunteer and community events that keep him active and involved and help make sure his happiness lives as long as he does. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org local. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Could Serena win another Grand Slam title to tie the all-time record? I would be among 23,000 people watching in person. And there were about 3 million more viewers tuning in at home. For Serena, don't call it a comeback. This is a short video from the U.S. Open introducing the broadcast for the 2018 Women's Final. This would be Serena's 31st time in a Grand Slam Final and Naomi's first. Just call it destiny. It's the women's final tonight at the U.S. Open. What do you remember about the moment before this match started? I got the distinct sense on final day that the people were excited because they thought they were going to be part of history. If you've got an old-fashioned ticket stub, if you have it on your phone, you save that forever. You fully intend to show everybody. September 8th, 2018, U.S. Open Women's Final. I was there. See, here's my ticket. This is where I said. <laughs> you expected to see something historic. Where were you sitting for this match? 
I wanted to be out among the people. And I'm glad I made that decision because there are so many things I would not have been able to hear if I had stayed in the press room. So I, I sat in the media section. So, you know, you've got fans to the left of you, fans to the right, fans in front of you, fans behind you. And you can just see it all and hear as much as they will let you hear. Would you just uh, walk us through the match? What do you remember about the moment Serena and Naomi stepped onto the court? Okay. It, it struck me that they both came out wearing black. And that's, you know, Naomi idolizing Serena. Serena likes to wear black. Serena's tutu was black. Every time Serena won a point, huge ovation. Fans are really jacked up for Serena. But early on, it was clear that Naomi had a strategy. So as the first set played out, Naomi broke was the first one to break serve to take a 2-1 lead. And there's a buzz in the crowd. Okay, Serena's behind. And there, an impromptu chant broke out. Serena! Serena! And that's almost mind-blowing to me because I remember 2002 so well. <laughs> now they are chanting Serena's name because she's down. They're trying to rally her. But Naomi wasn't having it. And she won six of the first eight games to take the set. And Serena, you know, she's lost sets before, but this one felt different because she was being outplayed by someone playing essentially the same game. She was losing to a harder hitting, younger version of herself and the only noise after that first set was the piped in artificial music that they play otherwise it would have sounded like you were at a wake yeah i mean i remember watching this at home it was just brutal so that takes us to the second set things got crazy after the first game of the second set which serena won so there's more applause from the crowd people i I'm getting the sense looking around, oh, this is the start of Serena's comeback. We've seen her come back after losing first sets many times. Naomi's about to serve when we hear from Carlos Ramos, the umpire. Only this. Code violation, coaching, warning, Mrs. Williams. Now, you can be watching tennis for 20 years and not know what the hell is he talking about. Patrick Maratoglu, Serena's coach, was giving this forward motion like two shark fins, essentially telling Serena, go forward, be more aggressive. But you're not supposed to coach. You're not supposed to give hand signals. Carlos Ramos is a by-the-book umpire. He saw it, and he gave Serena a penalty. But Carlos Ramos did not explain it in a way that the crowd understood. So Serena approached him. If he gives me a thumbs up, he's telling me to come on. We don't have any code, and I know you don't know that. And I understand why you may have thought I, that was coaching. But I'm telling you, it's not. I don't cheat to win. I'd rather lose. I'm just letting you know. There's a coaching violation. I guess it was a thumbs up, and Serena's setting him straight. That, that is not coaching. There's a boom microphone at courtside that allows the people at home to hear what's being said and allows the people in the stadium to hear what's being said by the player. The umpire has a microphone in his little stand, in his high chair. And Carlos Ramos was, I'll say, savvy enough, veteran enough to turn off his microphone when he addressed Serena directly. So even though I'm in the stands and I'm, you know, I have other reporters in the media section with me, we couldn't hear what Carlos Ramos was saying to Serena. But we always heard what Serena was saying because of that boom microphone. I could 
understand why you may have thought that, but just know I, 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 I never cheated. Okay, thank you, because I'm like, I don't cheat. Yeah, so thank you so much. Serena seemed to think she had cleared things up with the umpire. But Carlos Ramos is a by-the-book ump. He did not reverse the call. And here's what the rule book says about coaching during a match. Signals from a coach are illegal. When that happens, the umpire is supposed to call a penalty, also known as a code violation. It is unusual for an umpire to call this, especially during a major final. Many umps would give a soft warning in this case. But Serena got a penalty for her coach's actions. Still, the match went on, and Serena started to come back. Serena broke Naomi's serve to take her first lead of the match. The crowd was going wild. They were feeling hopeful for Serena. But then Serena served again. And Naomi broke her serve and changed the momentum of the set. Serena will need a new frame. Smash that one. Back on serve. Williams leads three games to two. Second set, Osaka, by one set to love. And Serena was so upset about not extending her lead that she smashed her racket. And that is a penalty. Any umpire in the sport would call that. It's racket abuse. But again, here's what Ramos said to the crowd of 23,000. Code violation, racket abuse, point penalty, Mrs. Williams. How many people who watch tennis know what that means? Not enough. More of an explanation was needed. Hey, this is Serena's second penalty. The first was for her coach's illegal hand signals. The second penalty means Serena Williams loses a point. Naomi Osaka will begin the next game serving at 15 love with a 1-0 lead, essentially. Serena was confused and frustrated. Serena was not disagreeing about the racket abuse violation, but she still disagreed with that first call, the violation for coaching. That first penalty made this second penalty much more costly. Things were escalating. I didn't get coaching. I didn't get coaching. I didn't get coaching. You need to take, you need to make an announcement that I didn't get coaching. I don't cheat. I didn't get coaching. How can you say that? You need to, you need to, you owe me an apology. You owe me an apology. I have never cheated in my life. I have a daughter and I stand what's right for her and I've never cheated. And you owe me an apology. I think she's more upset about the insinuation that she was cheating than anything else. I mean, she's... But now Serena's back to, you know, you stole a point from me. You owe me an apology. She's demanding an apology from him for the insinuation that she had cheated, that there was coaching going on. Again, any player, they're going to bear the blame when it's the person in the right. player box who is actually accused of, of something. Yeah, it, you stole a point from me. You're a thief, too. With this choice of words, 
Serena found herself in even hotter water. Cancellation, verbal abuse, getting penalty, Mrs. Williams. Wow. Game penalty. This was Serena's third code violation from Carlos Ramos, this time for verbal abuse, which meant she was being penalized a game. Losing a point was one thing, but a game penalty would change the score, and Serena might not come back from that. Serena was now just one game from losing the match. The crowd was still confused. They didn't know all the rules. They were reacting to Serena's anger. Serena called over the tournament referee and an official from the Women's Tennis Association. And now Brian Early in his 39th year of working with the U.S. Open, his last year as a referee, is involved in something incredibly ugly. Serena was in tears. It was chaos on the court. The referee and the umpire were conferring while Serena was pleading with the WTA official. I'd just never seen anything like this. A one-game penalty, it may not sound like much, but it's a huge deal that can completely change a match. It's like the equivalent of a referee taking away a touchdown at a huge moment in the Super Bowl. I mean, what were you feeling being in that crowd when the scoreboard changes to 5-3 for Naomi? Well, I know I'm covering a, a big story now, and that... The, the journalist in me is excited. But as someone who only really developed an emotional attachment to tennis because of Venus and Serena, I, I don't like where this match is going because the crowd doesn't know what the umpire has done or why he has done it. They don't understand. But it, it got ugly with a lot of people cursing, you know, BS. And, you know, they're robbing you, Serena. They just want that Japanese girl to win. She doesn't deserve to win. They're robbing you, Serena. A lot of anger. Serena kept trying to make her point to the referee who had been called onto the court. As Serena attempted to dispute her third code violation, the crowd was in a state of rage on her behalf. Because I'm a woman, you're gonna take this away from me? That is not right. You know, and you know it, and I know you can't admit it, but I know you know it's not right. I mean, I'll just tell you what the tennis rule book has to say about verbal abuse, and this won't take long. It's language that implies dishonesty or is derogatory, insulting, or otherwise abusive. So for a player to say to an umpire, no, you're the liar and you're a thief too, that constitutes verbal abuse. The issue is I've heard male tennis players say far worse than that. 
John McEnroe, just a history of abusive, ugly tantrums on court. I've seen Jimmy Connors pretend to masturbate with the handle of his tennis racket while pointing it toward the umpire. Like, and nothing was done. But the referee upheld the umpire's call, and the match went on. Naomi Osaka needed just one game to win the championship. How does Serena possibly regroup from this? I'm there working. I want to see Serena win, but, you know, no cheering in the press section. Because it's the second set and I've got this tight tight deadline, you know, I'm writing as I watch. Naomi had her, her moment where she has to prove it. You know, this is her first major final. She has to prove that she's ready to be a major champion because it's on her racket now. But she went out there and she served like a champion. And on match point, she hit a blistering serve to Serena's backhand. (laughs) Serena barely got a racket on it, didn't get it back, and that's how the match ended. Naomi Osaka, a quantum leap, U.S. Open champion, instant star. in the most controversial U.S. Open final ever. And there was thunderous booing as the players approached each other at the net. She's beaten her idol. She's won her first Grand Slam. It's, she's made history for Japanese tennis. Booze for Carlos Ramos as he exits. Now, Naomi admitted afterward she thought they were booing her. And Serena gave her a motherly hug at the net. And it was a nice moment. But by then, the crowd was just irate. Well, Patrick, I know you certainly didn't intend to uh, insert yourself in the way that it happened. That's Hall of Famer Pam Shriver. You'll remember her from earlier in our season. After this match, Pam got a chance to interview Patrick Maratoglu, Serena's coach. And can you describe the motion that you made that was interpreted by the chair umpire as coaching? Well, I mean, I'm honest. I was coaching. I mean, I don't think she looked at me, so that's why she didn't even think I was. Although Patrick admitted to using illegal hand signals, he suggested coaching during a match isn't a big deal. I have a question. Have you ever been called a coaching violation before? Not once in my life. Not once. No, to be honest, not once in my life. And you can check the records, you'll see. So it's strange to happen in a Grand Slam final. This was a Grand Slam final no one would ever forget. The most contentious final in tennis history. The crowd came expecting to see Serena win her 24th major title. But after a series of confusing calls and emotional outbursts from Serena, the crowd felt it had been robbed. I mean, what did you think? Did you think that Serena was robbed? Serena was not robbed because every penalty assessed against her and her coach was valid. In tennis, umpires should be told, explain the penalty. When Carlos Ramos saw Patrick Maratoglu giving hand signals, it doesn't matter if Serena saw them or not. He, the coach, gave illegal signals and the umpire saw it. 
And unfortunately, Serena lost her poise. And the crowd was reacting to Serena's anger without knowing the rules. But umpires also do have wiggle room, and to call such a severe penalty in a crucial moment in a Grand Slam final, it's a huge deal, and a lot of umpires just wouldn't call it. And there's just no way a men's player with Serena's resume and stature would have been treated the same way. This moment remains controversial, even for those who know the world of tennis well, like my producer and me. But to me, what is clear was that the umpire's calls were by the book. Serena's coach was coaching illegally. He even said so. That's a warning. Serena did smash her racket. That's a point penalty. And she did verbally abuse the umpire. That's a game penalty. On paper, this was all fair and square. But even if you don't agree with that, I think people can agree that Naomi Osaka, the new U.S. Open champion, was robbed of a special moment. It is Naomi's moment, but much of the story, as it always is, centers around Serena Williams. Time for the trophies and that big check. Tom? Good evening, everyone, and we welcome you to the trophy celebration of the United States Open. As the crowd of 23,000 booed, Naomi pulled her visor over her face and cried. Serena comforted her. This moment was excruciating. Serena, not the result that you wanted tonight. How do you put into perspective what this match contained? Um, well, I, I don't want to be rude, but I don't want to interrupt. I don't want to do questions. I just want to tell you guys, she played well, and this is her first Grand Slam. While this moment was unprecedented, it was also a familiar scene. Serena was stepping in on behalf of tennis to clear up a mess. Let's give everyone the credit where credit's due and let's not boo anymore. We, we just, we're gonna, we're gonna get through this and let's be positive. So, um, congratulations, Naomi. No more booing. <laughs> um. Serena's call to end the booing finally reduced the volume and the temperature inside Arthur Ashe Stadium. The crowd gave Naomi a loud ovation, but it was too late. She was clearly crushed. And now our champion, Naomi Osaka. When ESPN's Tom Rinaldi announced her name, Naomi could barely muster a smile. But she accepted the trophy. She took a step forward and held it over her head with both hands. Naomi, after the semifinal win, you said you had a dream. And the dream was one day from when you used to sit up in the upper bowl here and watch Grand Slam tennis that you would have a chance to play in a finals match and perhaps even against Serena Williams. 
How does the reality compare with the dream? Um, I'm gonna sort of differ from your question. I I'm sorry. No problem. I know that everyone was cheering for her, and I'm sorry it had to end like this. Um, Watching the match. Um, thank you. The day after this match, my story made the front page of the New York Daily News. It was the first time ever that women's tennis was featured on the front page. Despite all the controversy surrounding the match, the 2018 U.S. Open final was shocking to me for a completely different reason. We've seen Serena face something not totally unlike what Naomi faced at this U.S. Open final. Remember, in 2001, the crowd at Indian Wells booed Serena throughout the match, and after winning the final, Serena took the microphone and said this, yeah, I would like to thank everyone that supported me, and they didn't. I love you guys anyway. Thank you. I love you anyway. Seventeen years later, when the crowd is booing and jeering someone else, Serena told them to stop. She told them that Naomi played an amazing match, that she was the champion, and deserved to win. That's Serena, the same gracious person in 2001 and in 2018. It's America that sees her differently and more accurately now. All American is a production of Witness Docs from Stitcher. This episode was written and reported by Albert Chen and Jordan Bell. Our mix engineer is Casey Holford, who also composed our original music. Our senior producer is Jordan Bell. Our story editor is Gianna Palmer. Our executive producer is Camille Stanley. Extra production support from Nora Ritchie, Gwenny Govea, and Manolo Morales. Fact-checking by Kelvin C. Bias. Legal support from Sidney Freeman and Thomas Burke at Davis Wright Tremaine. I'm your host, Cecil Harris. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.